dudes and dudettes, welcome back to The Anxious Truth. This is episode number 156. I had to look at my notes. <laughs> Today, we are going to do an anxiety success story because I know you guys love to hear them and I actually love to do them. So my friend Meg is going to join us in a minute. We're going to talk about her anxiety journey and where she's been and where she's going. And it's a good story because of all the people I have the privilege privilege of watching going through the recovery process, Meg is maybe the funniest and wittiest of all of them. So we're going to make you guys follow her on Instagram. It's going to be awesome. Before we do that, you know what I have to do? I have to tell you about my book, The Anxious Truth, a step-by-step guide to understanding and overcoming panic, anxiety, and agoraphobia. It is available on my website at theanxioustruth.com slash recovery guide. It was essentially written to be a tool, a course in recovering from anxiety disorders. And by all accounts and the reviews, I have managed to accomplish that goal. So if you want to go check it out, that would be great. If you're reading it already and you love it, head on over to Amazon and write me a review. I would most appreciate it. And uh, there we go. That out of the way, let's bring Meg on real quick. And uh, I'll see you guys at the end of the episode. We'll hear what she has to say, and we'll catch up to you in a bit. Meg. Hello, I'm here. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> welcome, welcome. It, it's taken us a little while to do this, but but worth the wait. It has. I, I am, I, I'm mis, I'm misperceived uh, as a flake because I reschedule everything, but I just have like way too many kids. Um, <laughs> so well, whose fault is that? I mean, and, like, <laughs> I, mean oh, I only gave birth to one. I'm somehow raising four, so it's kind of a weird shakedown there, but um. Yeah, just like trying to find time to myself is magical. So here I am Very in good. an empty house. Well, I'm glad that you're here, and I'm glad that you have an empty house and nobody bugging you for a little <laughs> while. So we get a chance to do this this morning, which is great. So you are going to be... Even in a therapy session, I have a three-year-old like... Bah, 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 bah. And so I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> Been there, done that. I know it's eerily quiet in your house. It's great. So... Anywho, all right, let's talk about this. So tell me where, I know where you are now, because I only know you for, I don't know, a year or so, and we just know each other on Instagram. That's about it, right? So it's not like we're buddies. But I don't know where you started, so fill me in. I think I'll give you the back, I'll give you a a short version of a long story. Um, So I'm 38. I live in Media, Pennsylvania now. Um, I am from just outside of Washington, D.C. I grew up in Falls Church, Virginia, but I have lived kind of all over. I'm sort of um, a rambling gal. Not anymore, but I was for for a long ways. Um, So I traveled quite a bit. I moved around. Um, I'm a musician. I do some writing. I, um, I have a brother and sister. Pretty normal suburban upbringing. Nothing, uh, nothing of extraordinary note, <laughs> just sort of like an upper middle class varsity blues type of there you go. cheerleader childhood. Okay. Uh, but I, um, I went to law school and dropped out. I had planned to be a lawyer my whole life, but um, as, we'll, as we'll see in this, that anxiety guided a lot of, governed a lot of my choices. Mm. And now I am finishing up a master's in social work thanks to the anxiety progress and experience I've had, I really want to participate in this field now. So that's where I am right now in my life. I've seen you posting about that and you seem so genuinely excited. You're, you're at the end now. You're at the end of the program. Yes. So are you going to, I'm I'm wrapping it soon. You're, you're heading toward like the LCSW thing. Is that the idea? I, yep. That's the move. I dig it. I dig it. Great job. So, 
Tell yes. us about the anxiety thing. Right. When when did it pop up and, and what did it look like? Gosh, so I'll, I'll hit you with it. Um, I have some notes that I'm like, I just, there are a few things I am dying to share with people that are so congruent with your work that I'm like, we can work together on this. This is amazing. Bring um, it, bring it. I, I feel like, gosh, where do I even start? Um, I... I guess the first place to start with an anxiety journey is your first panic attack, don't you think? Oh, yeah. I think that seems probably like the... So I've always been like kind of a type A person, pretty controlled. Like phobias as a kid, like I had fears of like being in elevators, going through the Baltimore tunnel, like just knowing the water, like that Stallone movie where the water comes through. Yeah. Oh, my God. You heard, heard my Philly water. My mom's from this area, too, so... Yeah, and that came flying <laughs> um, through. Perfect. The water. But- Going down to the Wawa, getting a hoagie. So, um, (laughs) so I always had like I just even as a young child, like I'd have that thought. Like we're clear. I mean, this couldn't have been like a structurally sound uh, bridge or tunnel. It's going to fall in. Water's coming. Catastrophic thinking. So that's all I'd really experienced when I was younger, though. Nothing that was like inhibiting my functioning. If anything, people were like, "You're quirky." Um, And so then when I was twenty eight. Um, I had my first panic attack. I didn't even know how to describe it. And I just sort of like shut down in my apartment for a couple of weeks. I tried to explain it to a couple of my close friends, but I'd never had anything like it before. So I was like, this must be some sort of like psychotic break, or this must be some, like, I'm going crazy. Like, I don't know what's, I couldn't, I suddenly, I was out to dinner with my pregnant sister and I, I, re- I was at P.F. Chang's. I ate a dumpling. I got in the car and I don't know what it, I said. I felt kind of hot. It wasn't the, like, I guess I always thought in the past that anxiety attacks were caused by something specific. Right. Uh, because, and I will say this, this is so important for the podcast. If you haven't had a panic attack, you, people who haven't had them have no idea what they are. No. And I thought in the past that I'd like had one, yeah. like I'd be like anxious about a test and feel my palms sweating. I'm having a panic attack, but it's like, Oh no, not that. <laughs> no, you are it is not that. Yeah. Um, so I was like gripped with terror. I mean, dissociative, depersonalized, like freaked out completely. Like, never had had that 28 years old, totally freaked out. Pretty much just shut down. Like I went to my apartment wouldn't see people. Everything started to feel dangerous to me. Like my whole environment felt dangerous. I felt so overwhelmed by that experience. So I didn't seek therapy at that time. I I eventually was just like, I guess that was a one-off. Like maybe I smoked some bad weed a few weeks earlier. I don't know. Like (laughs) it had to be something that was just a a one, one. But my sister and mom have both had panic attacks throughout their lives. So I had kind of I had at least enough awareness at that time to know there might be a genetic component okay, uh, and to know that there might be something going on there. But at that point, somehow I attached my phobia of um, having another panic attack, like the fear of fear right. to food. So I just literally stopped eating. Like, and people were like, you're so thin. Are you modeling? And I was like, I can't swallow food. It all feels contaminated. My throat feels swollen when I eat. I couldn't eat. Yeah. Um, so I lost like pounds. I was like about this size and lost like 30, 40 pounds and was like a waif blowing in the air. It's a lot of work. And that actually really exacerbated my anxiety. Yeah. Because then I didn't have proper nutrition. 
I slept all the time. I was really struggling. And then I was diagnosed with anorexia when I finally did see a therapist. And that didn't feel accurate either because no. it was an anxiety problem. Not like I had never had body image issues before. So right. I didn't know, like it wasn't congruent with my past. Right, really. right. You were just, um, I mean, you were afraid to eat. You became afraid yeah. to eat. It was a fear of eating. Right. It was like, I felt like all the food was either touched by somebody, like some OCD yeah. things. Yeah, sure. Which I've since been diagnosed with as well. But, you know, just things that felt invasive. Right. And at that time, too, I wanted, like, I want to mention there were like a lot of massive stressors in my life happening, like one after the next. Um, I had put off finishing college for years because I was a bartender and played music and like didn't want to. Yeah. I didn't want to at all. <laughs> Still not interested really in the adult shtick, yeah, but sure. I'm doing it. Anyway. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, I was just kind of like living my youth as long as possible. But I was finishing college finally, and my sister got pregnant at, you know, at a young age, and I was helping out with her. I was living with her at the time. Uh, my mom had been violently carjacked. And my boyfriend of five years had cheated on me and broken up with me. So this all happened in like a window of a month. Oh, sure. Fe February, 2010. And I just emotionally collapsed. I mean, it's just, yeah, everything imploded and my stress, I didn't understand really management of stress then either. Right. Like doing self care. I was like, I was a party girl. Like I was like out every night I was drinking. I was hanging out with friends, sleeping poorly, eating too much pizza, whatever. Yeah. And um, didn't self, really self-care is the day that you can't get out of bed because you've just like that self-care. Exactly. Yeah. Like a, a physical collapse of like exhaustion. Right. Because I haven't slept. I'm eating like crap, drinking too much. That's yeah. self-care. Yeah. Watch a thousand movies and I'll be back at it tomorrow. Right. Like that right. was self-care for me. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, like I had, I'd like dabbled in therapy a few times because I didn't really have like my parents and I were both concerned about like finding a path because I had always been really driven. And then for 10 years, I kind of fucked off. Okay, sorry, can I say that? That's right. <laughs> okay. Have, you met, have you met um, me? Yeah. I effed off a lot. Um, and so, so from there, that was 11 years ago now. So gosh, my journey since. Um, so for about two years, it was really bad. Yeah. Um, I saw a number of therapists who just pretty much the therapy session was like, what's wrong? I was like, I'm having anxiety and panic attacks. I can't eat. And they're like, you need Lexapro. You need this. You need Xanax. You need that. I took one Xanax one time and just felt totally dissociated, hated everything about it. Yeah. You know, I know that you, I've, I've listened to bits of your journey too yeah. with prescription meds and it was just not the right fit. Um, especially because as I'm understanding, like, first of all, your, your book is like, the part of the new canon of anxiety work that a lot of therapists have still not adapted for anxiety. Like even therapists with good intentions, like they're still treating it like an illness to fix. Yeah. And once I was diagnosed with it, they were like, you have generalized anxiety you have panic disorder. You have this. And I'm like, okay, so how do I fix it? Like, how do I get rid of it? There must just be something wrong with my brain. Right. I'm just a mess. I'm broken. Help. You know, and they don't know what to tell you many times. And again, even with the best of intentions, I, I never mean to, I never want to imply that a therapist has bad intentions ever. There's a reason why they do what they do. Right. But right. yeah, I'm, I'm amazed at the number of professionals that have mm -hmm. never heard of this stuff before. Like I, it can't be possible. Look, you're going through a program. You at least had a class that had something <laughs> to do with cognitive behavior. Like, did you cut that class? Forget it all. Burn the textbook when it was over because you hated the professor. What was <laughs> right. it? Like, you must have heard of this. I heard of this before. Yeah. 
But it's interesting yeah. that you say that because I, I more and more every week I have two or three people who will now say, oh, I'm reading your book. Oh, cool. Yeah, my therapist gave it to me. Like that's fantastic, though. Yeah, like, that's that's like makes me so excited because even seeking a therapist this past year, I've been I've recommended your book to two of them. One sort of was like, I've been doing this a long time. Like, I know what I'm doing. And I'm like, I mean, I don't I don't want to tell you your business lady, right. but you don't. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, you don't have the full scope. Right. Like if you're not integrating this, at least into your solutions focused practice or yeah. whatever, like you're missing a step. Like you're missing something important. Yeah. It's like, you know, wanting to be in the transmission business, but all you do is change oil. Like you might be great at changing yeah. oil, but, you, but you're not right. fixing anybody's transmission. So I get it. You're so anyway, not. so here you are in this situation and you're looking for a therapist or trying to find the path, you know, so you're sort of dabbled yes. in therapy here and there. And where did you go from there? So then I ended up with a psychotherapist I had for like four months. Um, and I saw her a couple times a week when I was really at my lowest point. Like I could barely get to therapy. I couldn't get out of bed. I was in this like anxiety paralysis because my anxiety, I was having so many frequent short burst panic attacks, probably like nutritionally related at that time because they were so frequent. Yeah. Um, so then I was working with a therapist who was kind of like talking about it too much. Like I didn't have any solutions. Um, she kept being like, what, how, tell me more about like, you know, your childhood. Right. And I felt like we were getting into this space where that was like, how do we blame your mom and dad who are both like people who adore me and have their own problems. And, you know, yeah. as a parent, you, yeah. see, you, do yeah, the, you do the best you can. Right. Exactly. And, and, uh, you know, are they flawed people? Yes. Are we all? Absolutely. Sure. So, um, wasn't really like, I feel like they, the Freudian focus was kind of like misguided, especially with this, um, space. Right. So, so anyway, let's, I'll keep moving down the line. Um, met my husband. Um, that was like a healing experience for me too. Cause he had three little boys and I felt like I needed something to ground me and they sure, sure did. Wow. Um, they're all just like loving, fun people and they integrated me into their little world. And it was a really yeah. It was a big shift in my life. Oh. Uh, 30-ish. I started law school when I was 30, which was something I'd put off for years. Yeah. I, you know, um, crushed the LSAT, popped into law school, dropped out of finals. Popped in. <laughs> popped into I, law school. Yeah. I, I always say that's how I, like, roll into things in my life. Someone, I'm like, people are like, how'd you get your last job? I'm like, I was just, like, sitting there, and someone's like, oh, you could work here, and I just, like, put on the apron, and that's it. <laughs> like, I'm just. I was there for four years. I don't know what happened. Like. That's how I, like. Pop into law school. I just like I coast a little too much sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Um. But I experiences of the world. So I go. Um. I went to law school for thirteen successful weeks. The fourteenth week was finals. Had too many anxiety attacks. That's dropped it. out. I'm out. I just left. The teachers were like, "What happened? You were like our favorite pupil." And I said, "I'm." Yeah, I'm out. But I had anxiety, and the one professor was like, "Join the club. Join the lawyers' club." You know. <laughs> And I was like, well, why I do you mean, think we're all drinking at lunch? I mean, yeah, come on, like yeah. touche. Yeah. But um, but I mean, this, but I can't really emphasize the severity of my panic attacks right. were like on a very serious note, so debilitating. And I'm like a very independent and strong and capable person, I would say yeah. overall. But I was having such bad somatic symptoms mm -hmm. where I felt like full body dissociation, yeah. where I felt like I didn't understand what that was. I thought that something was wrong with me. Like it really was a terrifying feeling. I would just have, I'd feel like I was like the, the doom cloud was coming and I was losing control. Yeah. Uh, 
I think some of the emphasis on like, you follow some anxiety accounts and you, you see the emphasis on like, did you have sweaty palms? Did you have a hot neck? And I'm like, uh, yeah, but that was like nothing. Right. My head was literally spinning around like the exorcist. I mean, come on. Now. I mean, tru truly, it's like a, you're having out of body experiences that you can't explain to anyone. Yeah. Um, that's, I mean, that's somewhere my husband and I have struggled with for years too. He doesn't understand it. Um, so at times it's been, it's yeah. been tough. So then, so I think I'm kind of like smooth sailing a little bit, but I'm still avoiding a lot of stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, through my, I guess I'm in my late thirties, um, through my earlier thirties, I just kind of dodged a lot of things to create this little safe space. Yeah. yeah. Carving out the safe space and realizing that that was becoming agoraphobic. Right. Um, complete completely unbeknownst to me because I'm still going to work. I'm seeing friends. I'm going out, but there are certain places I don't like to go there. I don't want to go somewhere without my husband driving. I don't want to get on a train. I don't want to go on a boat. Like all these little things yeah. are yeah. building up slowly and you're, it's happening too. Like in this incredibly subtle way, you don't see it happening as it happens. No, you don't you just know every day you wake up every day. I woke up and I thought I don't have a panic attack today. Right. That was like my first thought every morning. And I hope I don't have a panic attack today. What can I do to avoid a panic attack today? And that becomes the driver of everything you do then. Every everything. choice is based on, will this make me possibly panic or not? It's so true. It's like your whole life becomes governed by that single thing. And I was actually thinking this too, before we got on, I was like, I've let my whole life of the past 10, 11 years be governed by panic. And yet, if I put all my panic attacks together it'd be like maybe eight to 10 weeks of panicking in a decade. Ten years. But, the, but the whole decade, that might not, that might even be an overestimation. It might be one week, yeah. like a few 10 minutes of a panic attack, all been governed by the fear of it being like, I hope this doesn't happen today. Um, and that's where the healing started actually. Like that's where the recovery started was loosening the grip of that. Yeah. And it, that also happens very slowly because you become so aware of suddenly you become suddenly aware of the agoraphobia. That's yeah. what I noticed. Yeah. Um, and it's usually triggered for me. It was triggered by another massively stressful event, which was having my daughter. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. I was pregnant cruising through pregnancy. I was like, uh, anxiety's in the rear view. I'm crushing this, you know, um, I'm like, you know, I've, I've, I've the first time in my life, I'm happy. I gained 50 pounds. I'm living my life. Yeah. And I gave birth and it was smooth, but breastfeeding was a nightmare. I'm a crunchy mom. So I had like natural birth. I'm going to breastfeed. It'll be a cakewalk. I'll be sitting in the park. But I was like, <gasps> you know, at 3 a.m. <laughs> nursing well, a yeah, child. Yeah, between the hormones and the, and, and look, it, it might be a happy event, but it's still a stressful event. It's one of the most stressful events we have in, the, in our lifetimes. That's a great point. Yeah. It, it, like, I think that especially mothers have a really hard time balancing admitting the enormity of the stress and, and terror yeah. with the joy of it because it's both, I mean, a lot of things in life are both. A sure. lot of things are so exciting and so like frightening, right? So yeah. that's kind of the crux of this this uh, entire framework, isn't did it? You, did you find when that happened then, so you have your daughter it's just, and, and boom, it's like a stress train hits you because like you said, the breastfeeding, the schedule, I don't sleep, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm depend this life is dependent upon me. Like, uh, how do I, I have to take care of this thing? So I get yes. that and I've heard that many, many times. It yeah. really exposes the fact that you have engineered a, everything is cool so long as it's like this. Yes. 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 And I'm, by but the way, I'm making the plastic. You can't see no. me. No. I mean, <laughs> as long as everything is even and yeah. Yeah.
there's definitely like um a point where I like I had found a way to regulate my environment so that I wouldn't have to worry as much about anxiety and then you're right uh, a, a wrench was thrown in that and then yeah nuclear the nuclear um yeah the mushroom yeah, cloud is just yes exactly <laughs> Because you realize then like, oh, I, I've developed avoidance and sort of coping skills. I haven't actually learned how to move through this feeling. It, there was just like um, avoidance was at a peak. So I had so I'd had not I'd not really had many panic attacks for a few years because of that. Like yeah. I'd mastered the little structured life. Yeah. So I'm, I'm four months postpartum. I'd slept like nine hours in four months. Um, I'm at Target and this woman comes up to me and she's like, how old's your baby? Suddenly I had probably the worst panic attack of my life. Whatever it was, set me down the rabbit hole of like, yeah, I didn't know where I was, who I was. I thought I'd have to call 911. I couldn't take care of the baby. How did I get her home? But I did. Yeah. Of course. Right. And then I stopped leaving my house. Yeah. I was like, I'm done. That was terrifying. And I just sat, I didn't leave my house for about like a month or two, month and a half. Yeah. I walked around the block and that was it. And as soon as I went to Trader Joe's the first time, which is 10 blocks from my house, panic attack. And that was when my agoraphobia, I'd never had agoraphobia before. Yeah. And that's when mine started in like winter of 2018. Yeah. So that was recent. Um, that was my first experience yeah. with agoraphobia. I'd never let panic stop me from doing things. I used to like just travel to drive to Boston, drive to Austin, Texas, drive to Florida. Right. Never occurred to me to be in a safe physical place. Um, but then as soon as I had her and was having those panic attacks after staying home, I think it's what people who, I don't, I didn't realize I had a tendency toward it, but my mom does as well. Yeah. And my, she told me the funniest thing when I shared it, she said, I had like a great grandmother who never left her stoop in Gloucester city, New Jersey. And she'd be like, I just don't, she drank all the time and stayed on her stoop. Yeah. She wouldn't go out in the neighborhood. And I was like, Oh, ancestral yes. trauma. Look yeah. at you girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but like the tendency, just the, like, that's the thing I think is crazy. Like our bodies and minds all process stress diversely. Like we all have times with enormous stress, like having a child or right. when I said, when my life blew up in 2010, yeah. like, and my response to it, I have a tendency to think of agoraphobia then as like a safe comfort zone and yeah. whatever. So yeah, sure. lots of factors leading up to that. But I guess I've just been sort of inching my way out ever since. Yeah. And so it's going so you it's wound up, well, well, so two, so now it's two years ago, roughly. Well, two, three years ago that you wind up about, about three about years three. ago. Yeah. So you, now you wind up housebound and like, that's it. I can maybe walk around the block. Trader Joe's is out. Everything is out because panic, you know, panic. How did you start inching back out? Now, when I sort of Good met question. you maybe a year ago, roughly, yeah. I don't even know. I don't know how we crossed paths to be completely honest with you, but yeah. you were working on it. So somewhere yeah. over the last year or so that I've been watching you online, you've been working on it, working on it, working on it. How did yeah. that start where you said, okay, I have to start doing something about this? Yeah, good question. Um, I just started feeling, so I felt like when my daughter was a baby, I could kind of hole up. Like I was like, well, um, what's like, I might as well stay home. She's tiny. She needs stuff. She's tired, whatever. Yeah. But I really, my, so my lack of socialization was like unbearable for me. I'm a, you know, through and through extrovert. I like, I need people. Yeah. Uh, and I just didn't want my, my stepsons and my daughter to like miss out on life because I was, okay. um, so that's been like my, an intensely guiding force, but more than anything, self-motivation, I couldn't imagine living my life 
in those parameters. I felt the lack of novelty was causing depression. I'd never really severely had depression before, yeah. but I've had depression symptoms thinking I can't go places. I can't experience things. Um, I just wanted to start moving forward. And I, you know, and I know that like, it's a late in life experience for me to have that. And it was a pretty short term, um, going like I was only in my house for like a couple months and then I did start like pretty right away I started realizing that was problematic but I was doing you know I, I did a lot of reading about it too um and okay. but across your work was what really like sent me into full exposure mode not like inching but just catapulting so yeah. basically anytime I'd leave there's never a time that an exposure feels like the right time to do it like when you walk out in the morning and you're like, Ooh, you know what? It's 72 degrees, not 73. Yeah. I should probably, I should probably go just watch TV. I'm not going to do it. Right. Like I risk it. Now, it's um, interesting because you've been at it since like, so about three years that you started inching and inching and now you have to start moving and moving and moving. But when I found you, I kind of feel like you were still in that mode a little bit. Cause suddenly I saw you start to take leaps forward. Yes. I'm, well, I'm on a boat. That was the best one. Boat was huge. I'm on the a boat. boat. Was I think that maybe that is when it. I actually started noting because I think you tagged me in that. I'm on a boat yeah, and I'm like, this woman is on a boat. I was like, Get it. Because my husband is, loves boats. And um, he took me out on one, like our third date. And I had like a total panic. I was like, I want to go back to shore. I don't want to be on this. Yeah. This was like 2012. And so he was like, I'm going to run a pontoon boat. It's slow. It's You can see the shore. Let's. And I was like, you know, palm sweating. But I think you have like, I think what changed in the past year for me is really rolling with the somatic feelings. Yeah. Like if I feel a hint of detached from my surroundings or I feel, even if it's bad, just keep going through it. Like there, I think constantly reminding myself that it's harmless, which has been, you know, part of your work, of course, like yeah. reminding yourself there's no danger actually facing you is like, I feel like it's training my brain it was slow for a long time to train my brain. And then the actual physical experience, actually, I'll tell you that that's the big change that's happened too, is I was reading a lot about it, yeah. but not doing it. And yep. I know that's like a common thing, but I was like, I already know this. Why is it not fixed? Because the knowing and doesn't fix it. The doing. Exactly. Yeah. So I was like, you have to actually, I think connecting that you actually have to train your brain with experience, right? not knowledge. So I'm armed with ample knowledge. I've read a thousand books. I am almost done with a master's program in this field. Right. I, I, I've got the knowledge. Yeah. So just the practice. The doing. And and, and your book has the great um, part about like setting the specific goals, like really making your own guide yeah. to your journey. And I think that was really helpful to me too, because I'm like, all right, here, what are the things? Like, what are the things I want to do? And, and how do I get there slowly? Yeah, I think um, and people miss that. So I could, you could almost see the part where you, you started implementing a plan. You could see it. And I only see yeah. you post on Instagram, like pictures of your kids. That's and it's cool that you can see it though. That's oh, awesome. You could see it. I mean, cause you know, yeah. I, I can watch. And one of the things that I really enjoy on social media is actually watching guys like, you know, people like you that are progressing. So I'll always say like, hey, is anybody doing this? Tag me so I can follow along. I love to watch it. I and like you could see the difference. You became focused. You kept moving and moving and moving and moving. And it was weird because again, mostly it's, you know, it's pictures of the kids and like you're you're just hilarious. So like witty, sarcasm, snarky stuff that I think you're so good at. But it was became it started to shine through that like, oh, this person is starting to be normal now. Yes. 
Yes. Does that like make sense? Doing normal things. Yes. And, and it's funny too. Also, this is what I think is um, also lost on people. I think sometimes you think with this disorder or this way of thinking that you have to keep working toward the specific thing you're afraid of, but it's actually just like every day, just get out there. If you're anxious, yeah. like that's, I, if I'm like, I wake up, if I wake up in a good mood, it's easy to get out. No worries. Oh, sure. But if I anxious mood, it's so easy even now to just be like, I should just yeah. kind of curl up for today. Then the next day it's harder. Like I feel like people with agoraphobic tendencies need to be so hyper aware of how easy it is to backslide. So when, when the pandemic hit, oh. I scared. I, I felt like I was making progress, but then I was like, Oh my God, the pandemic, I can't go anywhere. So right. I committed driving every other day. I would get out of my house with or without my daughter yeah. and just go for a ride. I'd go through the woods. I'd go to a town I've never been to. I would just drive. Yeah. And then we would go on like a vacation as a family. And I'm like, oh, that was easy. Like it's not, it wasn't, I mean, because a couple of years ago we drove to the beach with my daughter. She was like eight months old and I had barely left my t block and my husband's like, we're going to the beach. Yeah. And I, I mean, full blown panic attack, had to get out of the car multiple times. I was like shaking my yeah. arms. Like it was like, he, he was, he got there. He goes, that was a ride. <laughs> yeah, right. It's traumatic for him. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Exactly. Really upsetting. So just to like lower everyone's trauma, I feel like every day I try to get out there, even on days that suck. And I feel like a lot of people I know actually have gotten more agoraphobic during the COVID pandemic. Yep. Um, like just the tendency to not want to get out of your house and how easy it is to make your comfort zone feel like the only place you're safe for, you know, varied reasons. And it became acceptable. The whole world accepted that, like, oh, if you stay home, you stay home. Like, it's okay. Don't leave your house. Yeah, right. so and it's kind of weird. I, I was like, world, I will be leaving my house. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, which is fine. I don't want to. I don't want to do that again. Well, you're ex let's talk a little bit about your experience in terms of, like you said, getting out when you felt shitty was, yes. did that turn out to be more valuable than go? Anybody can go out when they feel good. Of course. And, and that yeah. lends itself to the plan. Like when you make that plan and you commit to it. And I know that sometimes yeah. I catch heat because like, don't take days off. You have to do it every day. I'm like, oh, well, what about the self-care, Drew? What about like, but in a way, if you give it a go, look, I can, I can, you have you in front of me. If I gave you the choice a year and a half ago between driving to Trader Joe's and sitting there in the parking lot for 10 minutes, possibly panicking or taking a salt bath, which one would you pick? You're gonna yeah, pick, like, of course. You're going to pick the salt the bath. Salt. Right. You'd be like, Epsom, lavender. Right. Like, self-care, recovery. Right. And this is the other thing, the other motivator for anybody who is like, I can't do that. Like, I, I am paralyzed with this because I've been there, like, paralyzed with anxiety yeah. for days. I know that feeling. It's so frightening. But, like, you you can absolutely go do it. And then once you've done it, you feel so good afterwards. Exactly. That's, that's the high I chase. Yeah. Is when I got... When I was on that boat, I was like, I'm on the boat. And then I get off and I was like, yeah. Yeah. What felt, Now what should we do? <laughs> I felt, yes, I felt invincible. I was like driving all over the island by right. myself. My husband wasn't even with me. I was just like, where am I going to go? Let's try a new coffee shop. And I started like just doing different things. And then that was fun. And it builds like blocks. Yeah. Like it is, like, even if it feels like a tiny block some days, it, yeah. it's, it's all, people say healing's not linear. You'll have panic attacks, but it actually, this is linear. Like it's additive, I would say. Additive. That's yeah. a great, that's a better term for it. But like people think like, like, yes, you'll have bad days and you'll fall off and you can have even a bad week or a month or whatever, but you can get back on it. I just feel like if you take too many breaks, you're not going to succeed with this. 
It makes it harder. It definitely makes it harder <laughs> when you retreat. It, and it takes a lot longer too. That's true. Like I Let, took a lot of breaks. Let's so. talk about the additive nature of it and then we'll, we'll sort of wrap yeah. it up a little bit. Uh, yeah. Believe it or not, I'm recording another podcast in 14 minutes. So, oh <laughs> but this is really good conversation. I'm enjoying this in a big way. The Let's talk about Ikea because I saw you put, you, you went to Ikea, right? Yes. Let's Ikea, talk about the, the additive nature. So all of the things that you had been doing, driving every other day, the boat, the this, the that, every time you challenged yourself. So I know mm -hmm. that Ikea was kind of like, a, oh, I haven't done this one yet. I know you were nervous to do that. Was it easier than you thought it was going to be? Yes, completely. That's the like, additive it was, nature. It was shockingly easy, actually. Yeah. I, I was ready to be, like, I was, like, doing my yoga in the morning and, like, and I will say, like, I, like, I know they're not treatments, but you can, like, like yeah. I think body movement gets some of the... Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. It bumps out my adrenaline for yeah. the day. Yeah. But, um, but you know, it was, it was so much easier just by doing the small things. Like, it was, like, the things that I thought were irrelevant, try a new playground, ended up making Ikea There you easy. go. That's everything you need to hear from Meg right there, is <laughs> the driving around the block and the driving to a new neighborhood and a trying a new coffee shop for 10 minutes... Yes. led to Ikea, which will lead to a vacation, which will lead to a cruise. Or and, and just a couple whatever. weeks ago, I went on vacation to a place I've never been, which was huge. Um, a year and a half ago, I went to Hershey Park and I had a huge panic attack and really struggled. Yeah. And I went this year, two hours away to a new place in Maryland and had a blast. I had yeah. no, no anxiety. I had a wonderful time. So let, let's go back to, and, and we'll wrap it up this way. You used yeah. to make your decisions primarily based on fear and comfort. Now, Completely. how do you make your decisions? Just a uh, passion and like living the kind of life I want to live for my family too. Yeah. So worth the work. Yes. I, it is so worth every panic attack and every scary moment. It is worth it. Yeah. Like one can do it. I'm not special. I mean, I am, but. Oh, you're special. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all agree um, on that. <laughs> any, any, anyone can do it. So good, Meg. I, I really enjoyed this conversation. Maybe we'll we'll do yeah. some more as you go, because, you know, especially when you finish your program and you hang out your shingle. And, and, you know, Drew, I have a lot left to do. I still haven't gone on a plane, still haven't driven myself to the city without my husband. I've got some steps. Like, yeah. I have some goals. What would be the city for you? Philly? Oh, Philly, yeah. yeah okay. I mean, it's like probably a 35-minute drive, but I've never done it by myself without my husband. All right, so that's so. the next next shot. You'll do it. It'll, it'll yeah, be, I'm, on, I'm on my way. And it'll be easier than you think. Anyway, <laughs> um, not that there's anything to plug or anything like that, but would you like people to follow along with your stuff? Yeah, I mean, come come join me at Hurricane Maggie um, on Instagram, and Which we'll is, see, you know, where it goes. Maybe I'll share more of my journey after this. Seems about right. Her, so if you guys go to theanxioustruth.com slash 156, this will be this episode. I will link Meg's Instagram there. And she's just a good person, so you should follow anyway because she's funny. And Drew is clearly amazing, which you all already know. Oh, well, Seriously, like it's sort I'm having like a little bit of a star starstruck moment even doing this because I've <laughs> like, seriously, like it's my Bible. No, no religious insult intended yeah. to anyone. Yeah, yeah. Truly, it's, it's what I read all the time to, well, keep, to kick my ass in gear. So well, I'm happy that it helped you. I really am. And I'm genuinely pleased to see the progress you're making and how happy you seem to be. Giant smile. I love it. So I am. I'm genuinely happy. I really am. Thanks, Meg. I appreciate it. We'll see you again in another one. All right. Thank All right. you. Let me hit the awkwardly hit the record button. Hang on. All right. We are back, back in the studio, which is the same desk that I was at when I was talking to Meg. Anyway, Meg is awesome. You can go follow her on Instagram at, at Hurricane Meggie. 
And again, if you go to the anxious truth.com slash one five six, which is the show notes for this episode, I will make sure that I link Meg's Instagram, you should go definitely check her out. She's a good person. And I appreciate her taking the time to tell some of her story today. We're going to maybe do more of these with her too. As she hits more milestones, we'll come and do little short updates with Meg. So it's going to be great. Anyway, guys, thanks for coming by. I appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to play you out as usual with Afterglow by my friend Ben Drake. You can find Ben and his music at Facebook. I'm um, sorry, new website at bendrakemusic.com. And uh, I'm going to ask, as always, if you're listening to the podcast on iTunes or any platform that lets you rate or review the podcast, leave me a five-star rating. And if you have an extra minute, just write a couple of words as a review. Uh, I do this to try and reach as many people as I can and help people. And when you write reviews and leave ratings, it helps other people find the podcast. And that's what this is all about. Anyway, thanks for coming by. Appreciate it. I will see you guys next week. Enjoy the music as always. And remember, this is the way. Yeah, you're doing fine. It's all around you, you can breathe it in. This is where your story begins. You got the feeling that you're gonna win.